Praise God. What a privilege to be able to minister to the awesome people of God here. Amen. And I promise when your pastor calls me and tells me that you guys need a bigger building, I promise I'll act surprised. Amen. Yeah, it's hard to explain to my wife. I said, no, there's awesome people in this church. That's all I meet in churches is awesome people wanting to do something for God. Amen. And so really do appreciate your giving, especially for my wife and I. She always, don't forget to tell them thank you. And so, okay, yeah. So we really do appreciate that. And that, that's how my wife gets to do what she needs to do. Amen. Of course, that's blessing our three grandchildren. Amen. So praise God. I'm going to preach a sermon this evening entitled Mind Battles. And I'm going to read out of the book of Romans chapter 12 in a moment. But before we get started, I'm going to show a quick video. Do not try this at home. We are trained professionals. It should have sound too. About to find out. There we go. Richard, what are we doing here today? We're getting ready to go skydiving. Yeah, you sporting your Spurs jersey right there. Yes, sir. Ready to represent. 2014 champs, yeah? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Are you excited? Very excited. Are you nervous? A little bit, but little not bit? too much. Okay. What brings you out here today? Uh, we're celebrating our daughter's birthday. Those right there who are going next? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Never a dull moment. There you go. All right. Well, give us, uh, we got one plane up. Your buddy's up right now. Give us about another 10 minutes, and we'll see you right out there. He lied. He said, when we're about to get out the door, I'm going to go three, two, one, and we're going to go out. He said three, two, and we were out. <laughs> but I forgave him. So the guy that's going to go out first, that's my son-in-law. Right, Richard, we're about 5,000 feet up. You know what that means? What does that mean? We're barely halfway there. <laughs> barely we got to go higher. One way or the other. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, it gets better. <laughs> There it is. There it is. So I think we went up, I, I want to say about 12,000 feet or something like that. And then coming down, I don't know how accurate it is, but he says that we're probably coming down about 120 miles per hour coming down. That's why everything's shaking. But you see how he has that crazy smile behind my head? Yeah, something ain't right with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I'm my ADD, baby. 
Oh yeah, there it is. There's the camera. There, 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 there. Everything's shaking. Look at that. Like, good lord. Yeah, my son-in-law's song was. I don't know what he did to get that guy mad, but his song on his video was "Highway to Hell." Here we go, three. Here we go. Yeah, once you get past that stage, they'll actually let you guide that thing. So you turn it to to the left or turn it to the right, but you got to do it real slow. The view was actually nice. We were actually supposed to land on the beach, but they were remodeling the building that they operate out of. So we're gonna end up landing on an open field. That's it, that's it. Okay, we can turn it off now. Would I do it again? Absolutely not. Why would I not do it again? Because my wife wouldn't get any of the insurance money for that reason. Oh, yeah, no, he willingly went and did that. No, he ain't getting no money. Praise God. So it was very interesting, amen. And uh, the first time I showed that video during, with the sermon, Mind Battles, I'm looking at the guy behind me, and he's like smiling and everything. And it dawned on me, it's like, what if this guy was suicidal today? And he decides, I'm not going to pull the cord. <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm done. It was one and done. Amen. So let's talk about mind battles this evening. Amen. That was one of my biggest mind battles right there. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, verse 2 is very interesting. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness, God. We thank you, God, Lord, for the precious souls that you are going to add to this congregation, God. Lord, I thank you in advance for the supernatural finances, God, that are going to be added to this congregation, God. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness, God, in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Mind battles. It's interesting to me that when you and I are going through difficult times, you always hear that whisper from the enemy himself. And he'll begin to whisper in your ear and say, you know what? You can't talk to your pastor. You can't talk to your brethren or your sisters in church because they, they don't understand. You're the only one that's going through it. So first of all, let's take a look at what does it mean to struggle the word struggle means to fight, to strive, especially when you and I are going through those difficult times. You know, sometimes instead of, I don't know about you, but I want all of my benefits as a child of God. See, people hitting and missing and they get mad and oh, they didn't go my way. And so, yeah, because you want to do it your way. That's what happens. How has it worked out? 
Normally doesn't. James 1 verse 8, it says he is, he is a double-minded man, is unstable in all his ways. I like the living translation better. It says their loyalty is divided between God and the things of the world. So in other words, we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, don't do that. Get out of that website right now. Abort, abort. And we ignore the Holy Spirit. And you wonder why you're divorced now. Marriage problems. Their loyalty is divided between God and the things of the world. I don't know about your experience, but in my experience, I, I'm about to turn 51 in February. Listen, when we try to do it on our own, nothing good comes out of that. Nothing but heartache. Our kids, now that they've started their families and things of that nature, they are blessed because they never saw mom and dad quitting church. Even if we had had an argument before we went to church, we were still in our place. And I'm going to be honest with you, right? I got I to gotta keep it 100. I'll be honest with you. Uh, and so one time we were mad at each other, and so we, we didn't sit together. You know what I mean? And so we're done with the service, and I'm getting ready to go out to the sanctuary, and Pastor goes, everything all right? And I said, why do you say that, Pastor? And he goes, because you didn't sit with your wife. <laughs> And so you know, I'm talking to my wife. I said, okay, look, next time we have a disagreement, uh, we got to sit together anyway. <laughs> Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, many times in counseling people in the office as a pastor, many times people will say, oh, pastor, I want to do this, but I'm confused. And I say, listen, you're not confused. You're stuck between two opinions. There is that what you know what to do. And then there is what you're going to do. I can't pull you away from that. You've already made up your mind. Yeah, God sends me out again to be a missionary or go pioneer a church. I, I love how I'm going to counsel now. What's the problem? Is that right? Okay, well, this is what the Bible says you should do. So let me know what you two decided what to do and just walk away. That's it. End of counseling session. <laughs> 45 minutes, an hour. No, behave. Oh, pastor, I'm confused. I'm confused. No, no, no. You're stuck between two opinions. It's interesting that as a new convert, you know, when I first started going to church and hanging out with the church people, I didn't even, I didn't even send my friends, my old, the, the old crew, right? The sending crew, right? I didn't even tell them. I just cut them off like a bad habit. No text, no call, no, 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 nothing, none of that. And I was hanging out with these Bible thumpers. Praise God, praise God. Oh, man, you guys are pathetic. I was thinking, what's wrong with you guys? You guys don't know how to have any fun. But then they start doing the rock concerts, and they start talking about Jesus, and then they start doing these play productions. We, we, man, drama was where it was at. Our haunted houses were whoo, off the chain, man. That's what kept me out of trouble. And during that time, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. Well, she was mad because I was always at the church. You're always at the church. Why don't you just marry the pastor? <laughs> oh, the one that hurt the most was when she said, if you keep going to that church, I'm not going to let you see our daughter. <clears throat> and then my new friends there in the church, even though I didn't like what they would tell me, Richard, just keep coming to church. God will help you. That's easy for you to say. Everybody lives in your house. 
You have your wife, your kids. Just keep coming to church. Just keep coming to church. But I wasn't going to go back with my old friends. So as a result of making that one decision, I get to go and preach around the world as opposed to my friends that I cut off. They're like three and five times worse than they were when they first walked into the church. 1 Corinthians 14, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. You know, when, Pastor, I'm confused. I'm str- okay, what have you been listening to? Let me go through your phone. Oh, come on, somebody. They start tweeting. Oh, oh, I don't have it, Pastor. <laughs> you wonder why you're confused. It's not like God is walking in the midst of his people and just spreading confusion. Confusion comes when we, dis- when we you know, we don't want to make a choice. We don't want to make a decision. That can be very dangerous. It's one thing for people who have never known Jesus to be confused, but it's completely different for those that hear gospel preaching in our churches, in conferences, and they're still confused. How does that happen? How does that happen? I know it doesn't happen here, but it happens everywhere else. 12 hours on TikTok? Four minutes on verse of the day. What was the verse of the day today? Um... But we know everything on TikTok. Again, not here. I'm talking about, you know, Texas, you know. Matthew 11, verse 3, and so this is where it speaks, where John the Baptist is locked up for doing the will of God. Can you imagine that? Getting locked up for doing the will of God. I had to go to court. For doing the will of God, we were street preaching, and we had corrupt cops where we were at. Well, just one in particular, and so God took care of him. You know, he's doing all these crazy things, and I said, God, you didn't bring me here to argue with these cops. You need to handle them while I I preach. You brought me here to preach, and uh, he got exposed. Come on, somebody. You don't mess with God's people. You better ask somebody. You must not know who my daddy is. I'm going to introduce you to my daddy. Listen, you don't want to go there. This is how good God is. You know, so he's over here harassing us when we're street preaching. And then there's a homeless guy that's staying in the pawn shop. Uh, he sleeps there in front of the pawn shop right across from us. And so the cop, just it's just that one cop that was harassing us because we're the church. And so that homeless guy, he sees what the cop is doing to us and leave them alone. You blank, 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 blank. They're just trying to help us. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I didn't have to do all that. He he did it. So here is John the Baptist. He's locked up for doing the will of God. And it's interesting that the moment he's locked up, now he knows he's related to Jesus. They're cousins. Son primos. Right? And so he's expecting some favoritism. So he calls one of his disciples and, hey, you know, why don't you go ask my cousin, are you the one or do we look for another one? So in other words, because things aren't going his way, now he's questioning Jesus. So they go and talk to Jesus and Jesus, you know, tells them, hey, uh, John wants to know, are you the one or do we look for another? And he says, you tell him this. 
You go back and you tell him that blind eyes are still being open. You tell him that deaf ears are being open. And so there they go. What do you say? What do you say? Well, he said blind eyes are still being open. Deaf ears are still being open, even though he's locked up, right? So you know what that means, right? Each and every one of us have to make a choice. Your pastor can't make that choice for you. I can't make that choice for you. My pastor, Benny Rodriguez, this is his quote. If you can win the battle in your mind, this will help you in your actions. So if our mind is running over here and then running over there, and no, no wonder, you don't know which way you're going. And from time to time, we do go through difficult times. God will allow us to go through difficult times. A number of years ago, we had just finished a concert scene there in the mother church. And so my wife and I were leaving. We're going home. We're going home. My son, our only son, he's going the opposite direction of where my wife and I are going. He's going to go hang out with some friends. And so I, we're on the freeway. We're going home already. And then we get a call. We get a call, and my wife answers the phone. And it's a sister from the church. And I heard... Uh, my, my, the, her name's Rachel too, right? So the, the other Rachel, she's telling, she's telling my wife, Rachel, Jeremiah has been in a bad car accident. I'm driving and I heard that. And I'm like, what? And so now, now I'm pulling off. You know, you got to exit. I'm trying to exit. I'm going to exit. And so I exit the freeway. And, and you know how they have that turnaround? So you can go down and turn around. I said, no, I need to get down. And those few moments where I'm going through the, the turnaround to go to the accident scene, my mind was not thinking about preaching. My mind started going in the direction, God, I left a good paying job. I left a nice house, friends and family to go do your will. That's where my mind was going. And I was about to start, well, God, how could you allow this to happen? And so by the time we got back on the freeway, and now we're going to the accident scene, right? We're going over there. I, and so I didn't say this to impress my wife. I, you know, so we get back on the freeway. I say, God, if you have taken my son, I'm still going to do what you called me to do. I didn't say that to impress my wife. I said it because I knew where my mind was going. And so this, this was late Saturday night, Saturday night, we're there in the hospital. Uh, I'm going to preach for a, a ch one of the churches there in San Antonio Sunday morning. He finds out about that. He calls me and he says, hey, don't worry about being here uh, tomorrow morning. He goes, I'll get somebody. I said, no, no, Oscar. No, 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 no. Look, I'm going to be in your church. I'm going to be in your church. My wife will be there. My daughters will be there with them uh, there in the morning. Then as soon as I'm done at your church, I'll just go straight to the hospital. And that, that's what happened. And he goes, are you sure? And I said, yes, Oscar. And I said, listen, Oscar, if the devil finds out that all he has to do is touch my son to keep me from preaching, it'll never stop. And so I went and I preached, prayed for people there because I ain't going like that. Mm-mm. And so there we are, had a broken femur bone and things like that. But one of the miracles, you, you always try to look for the good. When the accident happened, you have a guy that was, was coming this way, wasn't paying attention, but he was trying to cut across uh, 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 with my son coming this way to go into the gas station. And so they went head on, right? 
And so luckily, the, the Rachel, the, my friend's wife, Rachel, called my Rachel and said, you know, your son's been in an accident. Okay, well, her husband, you know, prior military experience and all that, but he's a nurse. So he, he tells the son, hey, call your mom, tell her, to, tell her to call the other Rachel, the mom, and what's happening, da-da-da. And so he went and checked on my son first, you know, okay, yeah, his femur is broken, things like that. And then he went and checked on the guy that caused the accident. Always look for something good in those situations. I said, okay, well, at least he's, he's not dead. He's good. Then another situation, this was separate. Not too long after this, uh, we're getting ready to go to a Bible conference there in Prescott. Pastor's already gone. I'm, I'm going to preach uh, there at the Mother Church uh, Sunday evening. And so I have my wife right, right next to me. We have our coffee. Right. We'll preach tonight and then tomorrow morning. We're, we're conference bounce. We we're going to go. And so as we're walking to the door to go into the church, my wife gets a text message on her phone from our middle daughter, who's a manager at a Forever 21 store at North Star Mall there in San Antonio. And the first text said, uh, shooter, right? And then the second one said, help. And then my wife responded. She says, call 911, try to dial 911. And so my wife wants to go over there already. I said, Rachel, we can't go. I said, by the time we get there, everything's going to be blocked off. And so luckily for her, you know, you're thinking the worst. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. So here it is. I've got to preach, and then this is going on. So we can't go, Rachel. It's going to be locked up. Police is probably already there and everything. And what had happened was you had some people that were stealing things. They didn't want to pay for what they were taking. Uh, and then you had, like, a lookout out, you know, in the mall area where they're looking in. And then uh, they walk in there, and someone saw them pull out the weapon but I don't think they discharged it, but that, that caused all the panic. And then my daughter being one of the managers there, she was, I guess, in what they call a secret room, right? So then that was a hard part because now she's in the secret room and now the police are there and they're, they're getting the situation under control and they're, they're trying to tell her to get out, but she's not trusting them. How do I know, you know, it's not them and, and so over, you know, they able to make communication and so they finally, uh, you know, were able to get her out of there and things of that nature and uh, she was okay. Amen. That is the God that you and I serve. How many of you were blessed during the whole COVID-19 lockdowns? Come on, somebody. That's the God we serve. I said all that to say this. Our circumstances does not change who God is. The only thing that is going to change is how we respond to those circumstances. People, some people, I know it doesn't happen here. It happens in Texas. When it doesn't go their way, they get mad at God. God, you owe me. You got, you, you. no, 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 no. Listen, you can't talk to God like that. How many of you have ever been to court before? Come on, somebody. Are you going to talk to the judge like that? Heck no. Mama didn't raise no fool unless it was my three younger brothers. <laughs> and I already told you, I told you about my mistake. I went to probate court, right? My grandfather passed away and I inherited the house and all that. And so I'm standing before the judge and the judge says, uh, has a will been probated? And I'm trying to turn a new page. I said, no, your honor, I've been off probation since 96. <laughs> and he started laughing. I said, that's the moment I realized. Too much information. <laughs> 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. The struggle is real. And it always happens when you're trying to do something for God. If anything can go wrong, it does go wrong. You want to talk about real mind battles. How about when God is speaking to you to go and forgive somebody? I felt that. <laughs> or what if God asks you to go and ask for forgiveness? <laughs> That's why they're sick all the time. Let me pray for you. No, I don't want to pray. You don't want to get, no, I'm good, pastor. I'm good. <laughs> oh, my! listen, that's why I say there's no way we can be a cult because people do what they want to do anyway. And here's God speaking to you. Listen, you know you've done wrong. Go ask for forgiveness. Swallow your pride. I'm not throwing rocks. I'm going to talk about myself here in a moment. <laughs> God says, go ask for forgiveness or go let them know that you forgive them. And yet our flesh wants them to suffer. It's interesting, when you and I go through those difficult times, those famous words will come out of our mouth. Why do I keep coming to this church? I didn't have these many problems before I started coming to this church. No, 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 no. Let's correct that. We had those problems. We were either too drunk too high or too uh whoa but now that we're in our right mind well some of us <laughs> we're in our right why do i have all these problems and no we had we've had them before but now that we're trying to live for god and live according to god's words now we're like yeah that was dumb of me to do that so why the struggle let's take a look at why people struggle People will struggle because they have not made up their mind to live for God. You know, there's the one, you know, you just got to be a spiritual gangster. I, and I don't recommend you do this. Well, you heard what Pastor Valerio said. That, no, I, I, no, no, no. I told my supervisor in the earlier years of discipleship. And, you know, so that he's not my supervisor. He's not saved. So he cusses a lot. But when he talks to me, he's cussing at me, right? And then so the pastor says, hey, we're going to have a conference. Da, 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 see if you can get the days off. So I asked, hey, Chris, okay, I need these days off. I'm going to go to a Bible conference. And he goes, they're not going to approve it. And I said, Chris, I said, you need me to go to a conference. And he goes, why is that? I said, because the way you talk to me and the way you cuss at me, that makes me want to do bad things to you. But listen, that only works if you're a worker. <laughs> you know, and, and listen, it makes me want to do bad things to you. But if I go and I hear 13 or 16 sermons, when I come back, I don't want to do bad things to you no more. Guess what? It got approved. <laughs> but listen, if you're not a worker, if you're one of those hiding in the restroom, listening to all the ESPN highlights and all that, don't, don't even ask for those days off. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. A good place to start is just making up your mind to live for Jesus regardless of the cost. Like what it says in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, towards the end there, it says, uh, in verse 15, towards the end, it says, But as for me and my house, we will serve 
the Lord. Sounds good when we read it, right? But can you apply it? We've applied it. That's why I can preach on it. We were at Bible conference, my wife and I. We're trying to hear from God, hearing from God, and then my wife. And so my older daughter had done some things, and she had a bad habit of writing things down in her journal. And then the middle daughter found the journal, and so she called my wife and I while we were at conference, and she said, I did and my wife's like, what, what? Put her on the phone, right, and conf in conference. And I'm just listening, da, 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 and I'm trying to listen to the preaching there, and like, okay, okay. No, I'm going to let your dad talk to you. And so she gives me the phone, and I said, hello. And so she's there, right, my oldest daughter. I said, listen, if that's how you want to live, then you need to get all of your belongings and move out. Because we didn't raise you like that. And there's, there's a podcast on YouTube from one of our baby churches called uh, Life Speaks. And so they're interviewing her, right, as she goes through the whole story. And she's all... There are my parents are trying to hear from God, and I'm over here acting like a little devil over here. And I'm listening to it there on my desk. I said, that's right. That's right. You're telling the truth. <laughs> Ooh, thank you. And they can't argue. They can't argue with my wife and I. They've been through all the struggles we've been through. And they've seen our faithfulness to the things of God. It's interesting that when people get married, part of the vows includes uh, when they say for better or worse in sickness and in health till death do us part. Por vida, for life. For those of us that are married, it's not in my notes, but I'm going to give it to you for free. <laughs> right? Kiss your spouse. Tell them you love them before you go to sleep. When we were out in the field pastoring, uh, there were two different churches that we were connected with as far as preaching for them, things like that. And so one of them was an older couple. They had been married for many, many years. I believe that one was in Victoria, Texas. And then the other one was a younger couple, maybe like their mid-20s. Different days, though, things of that nature. But they went asleep. And that's why the Bible says, do not go to sleep mad at each other. And we take it for granted. And so the older couple, right, the husband, he doesn't wake up in the morning. He stepped into eternity. The younger couple, they got into a disagreement. No kiss, good, you know, I love you, I forget nothing. They just went to sleep mad. And then the wife wakes up in the morning and husband, he's gone. He's gone. And then we're going to be walking around with condemnation the rest of our lives. There's a reason why God gives us these words. Don't go to sleep mad at each other. I know, no, I know nobody here struggles with pride. But I, I, I do. So I'm going to keep it 100. Right? And so a uh, number of years ago, was it the first time? I think it was the first time I went to Bolivia. And so the pastor there and uh, his wife, they were both in the military. Uh, and they work out there. Now, over there in Bolivia, it's a third world country, so you don't have the gyms like we have here, but it, it, it's doable. You can work with what they have. And so there were collegiate runners in college. They, they run a lot. And then so he says, hey, you know, you want to go? We're going to go run. I say, yeah. But the altitude out there is like high. It's like 15,000 above or something like that. All I know is that, yeah, you can't breathe up there. <laughs> 
Yeah, so they, they all this stretching and stretch and stretch. And then him and the wife, they start jogging, right? And then so I couldn't get adjusted to the no air up there. So they're already starting their jog. I took about three steps. And I said, just keep going. I'll catch up to you. <laughs> yeah, so they're used to it. I'm not. And then two days out of the week, they go to the gym there in Bolivia. You know, they have weights and things like that. And so there's Pastor, Pastor Victor Lopez, man. He's, he's on the squats. And he's like, bam, bam, bam. And then he like, bam, right? And then I, I'm, I don't even remember what I was doing over here. But he turns around and he looks at me. He goes, Valerio, you want some? And it's a small gym. So everybody's turning around to see who Valerio is. So I'm over here. I don't know if I was doing dumbbells or what. But when he said, Valerio, you want some? Everybody stopped what they were doing to find out who Valerio is. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is when my pride kicked in. Yeah, brother, I want some. Come on, let's do this. Let's do this. And then he was trying to help me. You want me to take some of these, the first plates? No, no, leave them on there, brother. Leave them on there. Yeah, I'm not going to throw them. I'm just going to put them on there. Okay. I forgot I had to preach that night. Father God, in the name of Jesus, oh, God, heal them right now. God, fix their heart. Oh, da, 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 da. And then, no, God, don't leave me like this. <laughs> Lord Jesus, <laughs> I need to get back to the pulpit. Help me out. <laughs> Wait, it gets worse? <laughs> Then the rest of the week, I'm walking around like I have a diaper rash. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Pride will cause a lot of problems. Daniel chapter 4, verse 33. You can read it on your own time. It says, for that hour was fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with dew of the heaven till his hairs were grown like, uh, like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. And it's interesting because the moment he started to say, I will be like the most high God, that's when he lost his mind. So now he's out on the field eating grass and all these different things. That's what you ever wonder, man, they, they were coming to church and now they're over there. And you ever wonder, at one point sooner or later, they said, I don't need God. I'm better than God. That's why the devil got kicked out. I will be. That's the problem with the I. I, 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 I. But he redeems himself later. I believe it's in verse 34 of chapter 4 in the book of Daniel. I believe that's on 34. Where he repents and he gets his heart right with God. And then it says that his understanding came back to him. There is hope. There's hope. And God will allow us to go through these difficult times. Pastor Mitchell, my goodness. He's scheduled to do a healing crusade there in Prescott Valley. And so the, the wife had had, a, I believe, a stroke. And so, a, and I, I can't say for sure, but... I would think that he's probably thinking, if she passes, I know where she's going. So let me go do the healing crusade. 
Let me go pray for people that can get saved, people that can get healed. And so a lot of people were thinking, he's not going to go. He's going to be on the bedside of his wife, and it, it, of course. And so when it was time to start the healing crusade there in Prescott Valley, there he is. Normally they have the chairs at an angle like that, and he's there in his place, going through all the emotions that you and I would go through. The day that she passed away, I'd gotten this from, I believe it was Dennis Wright at the time. The day that she passed away, she passed away at 5.30 in the morning, and Pastor Wayman Mitchell was in the prayer room in his place at 7 a.m. People want anointing, but they don't want to go through the suffering to get there. That's the only way you can get anointing. You can't buy anointing through Amazon Prime. You have to go through it. It's interesting. He made a choice going on, you know, so January of 2020, it was, it was already 50 years from the time that Pastor Mitchell had gotten saved and started doing the fellowship that we're in now. There are many people in our churches nowadays because of his decisions back in the early days. Even when, you know what got me the most since I travel a lot is they were, they had been married for 63 years, 63 years. And, you know, so I'm an evangelist. He wasn't, but he would travel a lot, uh, men's classes, conferences, things like that. And, and, of course, you come back, and then you're spending time with your wife, whether you're drinking tea or coffee, things of that nature. And w when he, you know, when she ended up passing away, I was thinking of Pastor Wayman Mitchell. 63 years of marriage, and then you come back home from wherever you're preaching, and now she's not there no more. I don't know who said men don't cry. They were lying. I got emotional. I said, man, we've only been married approximately maybe like third, uh, 28 years legally and two that are not accounted for. But to come back home from a revival and her not be there? The German Shepherd's all right. You know, the Yorkie Terrier that bullies the German Shepherd, he's all right. <laughs> and that's why I stress that a lot. Listen. Regardless of what the argument is, try to settle it before you go to sleep. Because we hear it over and over where things didn't, didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. And you just never know. You'll wake up and find out, oh, man, they crossed that line. That's why you normally want to, uh, yeah, you always want to tell your spouse, I love you. and things. I was flirting with my wife before we started song service. I can do that. That's my wife. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, if I don't flirt with my wife, somebody else will. And if somebody else does, I'm, I'm going to catch a case. <laughs> See, when you take care of business, you don't have to worry about catching a case. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. So when it all boils down to this, church, if the devil can get you to stay focused on how hard you have it, not only will you quit your relationship with Jesus, but people that are looking up to you will use you as an excuse. Oh, well, brother so-and-so, look, he used to be in church. He used to, and he's not there. Okay, but we're not talking about them. We're talking about you. Don't want to get your benefits. Oh, well, I, you know, their way of thinking is, you know what? If that brother couldn't make it, how am I going to make it? What about your neighbors? How many of you have neighbors? All of us, right? Can you imagine? They know you go to church. 
They see you all dressed up going to church and everything, and, and then you have an argument in the middle of the night or somewhere in there. And, and I can picture your neighbors, right? Like my neighbors, right? And it's like, babe, did you hear how they were fighting last night? Yeah. And they're like, babe, I know those words aren't in the Bible. I know, babe, those words aren't in the Bible. And they're over here witnessing that Jesus can change our life. But yeah, they're not in the Bible. We know that. Let me see if they're going today. No, babe, the lights are still off. Oh, babe, I was hoping this Jesus thing was real. <laughs> they're still asleep. Or the lights are on. Oh, they're coming out. They're coming out. They're coming out. Can you imagine? And then the wife looks at the husband and says, Babe, we heard how they were talking and screaming at each other last night. I'm tired of the reruns. We should go to their church. Don't raise your hand. It's okay. It's a no judgment zone. So we're getting ready to close here. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So let me, let me read this presentation right here. This is God speaking. It says, my child, your mind leaps from problem to problem to problem, tangling your thoughts in anxious knots. And when you think like that, you leave me out of your worldview and your mind becomes darkened. Though I yearn to help you, I will not violate your freedom. I will stand silently in the background of your mind, waiting for you to remember that I am with you. When you turn from your problems to my presence, your loads immediately are lighter. Circumstances may not have changed, but we carry your burden together. Your compulsion to fix everything gives, gives to deep, satisfying connection with me. Together, we can handle whatever this day brings. So can you imagine on your way out the door, you got your coffee, whatever you got, and you're about to walk out, and there, there's Jesus just waiting. He said, I'm not going to violate your freedom. It's up to us to, to, to set that up. In other words, Pastor Mitchell would talk about a man years ago uh, there was a, a gentleman that would go to the Prescott Church for morning prayer, right? But he wouldn't pray. He'd go to the church, and he's hanging out like in the foyer area right there. And he was just waiting for Pastor Wayman Mitchell to pull up and then come into the building. And, hey, Pastor Mitchell, how you're doing? So he's given the impression that he had been there and that he had been getting a hold of God. And, and, then, so, and then Pastor Mitchell's talking to some of the other guys. And, like, oh, he was here? We didn't see him in here. He must have been in the foyer area, and that's where he was hanging out. He wanted to be noticed. If I can recommend something right now, it would be this. We need to spend more time communicating with God on a daily basis. When we stay communicating with God daily and obedient to the things of God, that will help us change the family tree. Our kids are blessed because of our faithfulness. Part of our faithfulness is receiving correction. Correction is not a cuss word. It's not. 
I would rather have a pastor that's going to keep it 100. And even if he has to raise his voice at me, because, you know, I can be. See, it's the same. It's hard hit it. It's like, yeah, pastor, you, you need to give it to me straight, pastor. And I'll take it like a man. <laughs> yeah, you have these guys. L- listen, listen, let me talk to the man. Listen. If you go to the office and you're talking to a pastor and he corrects you, however he does it, every pastor is different. Listen, once you're done with pastor, listen, he's looking out for your best interest. Once you're out of the office, (laughs) babe, you know what pastor told me, babe? Because then your wife, I'll talk to pastor. (laughs) Only I can talk to him like that. Listen here, pastor. Only I can talk to him like that. (laughs) Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Just take it. Just take it. That's the only part about pastoring is like, man, do I really want to pastor again? Because some, you know, some people, I pastor, you're too hard, too hard. I'm just telling you, I'm trying to help you. You say you want to do something for God. Babe, pastor raised his voice at me. <laughs> well, pastor, I want you to know that I'm the boss of my house. My wife said so. <laughs> I preach the truth. I don't know how the numbers are here in the you know, Tri-Cities, but in Texas, mm-mm, mama, yeah, mama, mm-mm, mm-mm. If I tell you to be here right now, you're going to be here right now. Now, if you're living for God, right, and you actually pray, right, they always say, if you want to know something about the husband, ask the wife. The wife will always tell you the truth. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to close with this one. A number of years ago, I was in the in the Chula Vista, California, and so you know the pastor had already gone to conference. They had announced a couple they were going to send out, right out of the Chula Vista church, and then so we're there for the, I'm there for the revival, and then so the pastor is like a little disturbed, and I said, "What's wrong?" See, he's not gonna believe it. I said, "What happened?" My wife just told me that the couple we announced to send out, the wife doesn't want to be sent out. And I said, why, why is that? And the wife told the pastor's wife, because he doesn't pray. And he said, you know, she said, yeah, he acts like he's going to prayer in the morning, like at four in the morning. That was his excuse. I got to get there real early. And da, da, da. But the wife, that's why they say, if you want to know the truth about a man, ask the wife. And she's all like, it's not that I don't want to go. It's just he doesn't pray. For those of you that are here and you're inspired of wanting to preach one day, listen, work on those habits right now. Getting a hold of God, reading the word of God, and especially evangelizing wherever you go. You go to Home Depot, you, listen, wherever you show up, you can do the healing crusade right there. You don't need a big platform. You can lead them in a sinner's prayer or just pray for, you know, if you see them with obvious issues or something like that, like a swollen knee or something. Hey, would it be okay if I pray for you right now? Yeah, and just pray for them. It'll change your view of God. It's almost like we're spiritual bullies now. 
You know, you're going somewhere, and then you, you see all these different demons, and like, get out of here. Here, let's, let, let's cast that demon of sickness out of there right now. And God helps us with the, God help us with those people that refuse to let go of the sickness. No, pastor, no, pastor, don't pray for me. I want to stay sick. I want to stay sick. Because then people feel sorry for me, and they take it easy. Okay. That's why I say we're not a cult. People do what they want to do anyway. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed.